to negotiate a ransomware payoff and the danger of mythologizing cyber defenders. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Law enforcement agencies urge ransomware victims to never, ever pay a ransom. But if your organization decides it must do so, what are the next best steps for it to take? Well, joining me to discuss is Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor of Data Breach Today in Europe. So, Matt, have you ever paid a ransomware ransom? Anna, I have not. But I've spoken with experts who tell me that should I need to do so, or should any organization need to do so, there are a number of steps that they should take. And because I know what your next question is going to be, I will just tell you that the best place to start, experts agree, is by talking with experts. Now, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, but when it comes to responding to ransomware, your typical organization, hopefully, has never been through this particular fire before. Hopefully, they've run the fire drills. They know what to do. But when the systems start to burn, you really want to reach out to people who have seen this all happen before. So if you've got cyber insurance, start with your cyber insurance firm. They'll tell you who to speak with. Or your organization might have on retainer an incident response firm. Equally, they will deploy at a moment's notice, come in and help you do everything that you need to do. I liken the response here to when the FBI, for example, sends in a negotiator when there's been a kidnapping. They don't leave it to the person whose child or parent or whatever has been kidnapped in the heat of the moment to negotiate in this situation. They look to someone who has extensive training, who understands some of the strategies that can be used to best effect, and who can maintain a professional air during the negotiations. Organizations need to have a similar mindset when they approach working with their ransomware. Now, Matt, you recently talked to two researchers who offer best practices if you do choose to negotiate. Yes, I find this is a fascinating area. What happens if you do try to negotiate? What are the things you should do and shouldn't do? And I guess this was maybe a question where the answer is only known to those firms which had deep experience until last month when there was a paper presented at the Black Hat Conference in Europe by two security researchers, Pepin Hack of the Netherlands and Zhong Yu of Taiwan. They both work with cybersecurity firm Fox IT. And they asked this question, if you find yourself in the position of having to negotiate, what are the best practices for how you approach that? So they obtained 700 transcripts of attacker victim negotiations from 2019 and 2020. The researchers said they weren't allowed to say how they had obtained these. Uh, They also noted that it wasn't clear how many negotiations were done by absolute victims versus professionals that they had brought in to help them. Although they said in some cases, there were definitely ransomware response firms at work because they would tell the attackers, you may know us from such previous negotiations as ACBICO in uh, March and stuff like that. So trying to work with the relationships maybe they had established. But in terms of the big takeaways, the researchers told me that, of course, nobody ever wants to pay. But if a company or another victim chooses to pursue this, they say that with good negotiation tactics, in most cases, the initial ransom demands can be negotiated down by half 
or more. And as Pepin Hack told me, it is imperative that anybody who does choose to pay, get it negotiated down as much as possible because never forget, you're literally paying criminals. So how do victims negotiate down? To answer that question, the researchers themselves asked three questions. They first wanted to ask what economic models were the attackers using to maximize their profits? They also wanted to see what position that victims were placed in during negotiations by the tactics being used by attackers. And then they also wanted to see how ransomware victims could even the playing field. Now, based on what they saw, the researchers came up with five negotiation strategies. Very briefly, first is to be respectful, maintain a professional tone. The second is never be afraid to ask for more time. The victim might see a countdown timer, but really, if they ask, they'll typically get an extension. The next is to convince the adversary you can't pay the high ransom amount they're demanding, and they offer techniques for doing so. Also, never, ever, ever tell anyone you have cyber insurance, because then they'll expect you to pay more. Finally, and this is a really fascinating one, promise to pay them a very small amount now or a larger amount later. And to explain why that works, here's one of the researchers, Pepin Hack, and yes, he was born with that surname. One of the strategies you can use if you're gonna pay is pay, promise to pay a little bit now instead of a lot later, um, because they also have an incentive to close deals quickly and just move on to the next target. Um, and if they know they're you know, gonna get a couple of hundred thousand dollars now, uh, or maybe the promise, promise, which is not even sure of a million dollars later, um, oftentimes they would go for the, the quick buck now. So the researchers also offer practical steps, such as ensuring that you always have a communications channel for incident response that the attackers can't listen into. So maybe literally using burner phones, for example, because they've probably penetrated your network and your infrastructure, and they could well be eavesdropping on emails or even voice over IP phone calls. Another practical step is to, I've said it before, but work with an incident response firm. And the other researcher involved here, Zongyu Wu, told me that just one of the reasons to work with a firm that's seen this sort of thing before is because they will often bring deep expertise in the kind of ransomware that is infected in organization. And different types of ransomware can have different nuances. For example, sometimes the victim will be able to provide a test file that the attackers will decrypt to show them that they can decrypt. But what Zong Yu told me was that sometimes the encryption attackers use works okay for small files, but it doesn't work at all with big files, meaning they're gone. You'll never get them back. So here's Zong Yu's advice. So my advice is talk to experts, talk to the cybersecurity company, talk to those who has much experience combating ransomware. They will tell you what ransomware you are facing and what kind of outcome if you pay and what kind of decryptor you get. Sometimes they can help you extract the key from the decryptor and build a more reliable decryptor. So just to emphasize what he said there, Sometimes you can work with security firms who will be able to give you a more effective decryptor than what the attackers are actually offering you. And it might be able to function more quickly. So then instead of taking weeks or months 
you can restore your files in days. Another thing to remember is sometimes security experts have found workarounds for ransomware. They won't advertise this publicly, but if you reach out to security firms, as you should if you're a victim, to ask for their help, and they'll give you free advice. They can tell you on the QT if they have a way to maybe help you get out of jail, so to speak, or maybe you pay a small ransom that has minimal functionality, and then they can use that to build you a better decryptor. There's lots of potential angles here. So Matt, what's the big takeaway? The big simple takeaway here is always ask for help. Security firms, incident response firms, cyber insurer, if you have one, always reach out to firms that have seen this sort of thing before, because however you think you might respond, they will help guide you to a better result. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. As we approach the end of 2021, what zero trust myths still need to be busted as we go into the new year? Well, this was a question posed by our senior vice president of editorial, Tom Field, to the father of zero trust, John Kindervag. Here's Kindervag's response. Oh, it's the same set of myths. Zero trust is a product. It's not. It's a strategy. Uh, Zero trust is identity. No, it consumes identity. That it's hard. It's not. It's easy. That it's expensive. No, you can usually save money. Uh, Those are the same things. And and they're becoming less of a problem because there's such a drive to do it from the higher down. So now when your bosses, bosses, bosses say we want to do this, all of those objections kind of melt away, right? So that's what I'm seeing now is just a movement from the top down instead of the bottom up. And that's what I've always tried to do because I tried to create zero trust as a strategy that would resonate with the highest level of any organization, yet be easily instantiated or built from the technical side. And finally, Dr. Victoria Baines, a former law enforcement intelligence analyst turned academic, implores us to question the imagery and rhetoric we use to communicate security issues and their impact on the workforce. Notably, she cautions against mythologizing either hackers or people who work to defend the IT network. Here she is on why labeling defenders as superheroes is extremely harmful in the long run. We have this sense in which to work in cybersecurity, you have to be a superhero. There was one vendor who I I won't name who described themselves as protectors of the digital universe on a mission to save the world just when it needs saving the most. Well, that gives the impression that that is out of scope of a normal person's powers and capabilities. But if you think about the workforce, it generates unrealistic expectations of people who work in information security and in cyber. It gives the impression that they will be on call 24-7 to save the world, to save the business. And we know we have a problem in the industry with burnout. So really, the last thing we should be doing is telling the outside world, some of whom will be our non-executive directors, our boards, trying to give them the impression that we can save the world every single minute of the day. Because people who work in information security, particularly in incident response, security operations centers, they're humans 
who need to focus on their mental health and well-being, particularly now when we've had such a huge ramp up to digital transformation and remote workforces. There's been increased pressure on folks working in information security. And so I would like to see a more realistic approach, not necessarily belittling or diminishing the threat, but just being a bit more realistic about what people can do when they work in information security. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.